I was watching a YouTube video of this lion in the wilderness who was prowling around looking for his prey. And into the distance he sees an African Cape buffalo. And he prowls around closely to approach this buffalo. And at the final moment, he sprawls and attacks. And this buffalo doesn't see him coming at all. And the lion starts to devour the buffalo as if he's bringing him right spiraling to his death. And it's this fierce experience of the wild, of a predator and a prey, going at it together. But then something unexpected happens. And to the other distance come two more buffalo. And they notice that a member of their tribe, a member of their species, is being attacked And in great courage, they start to, as it were, buffalo towards this lion. And then they bring down their horns and and lift up the lion. And the lion literally does like a backflip and goes off flying in the distance. And the buffalo triumph. And although the original buffalo is now wounded in so many ways... He was saved. And we see this experience of suffering and death, not only in our own life, but even in the wilderness. We see it even in what we would call the natural world, in our natural experience. And it begs the question, is this how God intended it to be? Is this what God intended for suffering and death to truly be a part of our experience. And in the first reading today, we hear a resounding no. The answer is that God did not create death, but he does conquer it. In the book of Wisdom, in the Old Testament, people were wrestling with this question of suffering, this this question of death, all throughout, for, for centuries, for ages. And even today, past the New Testament, in our modern experience, it's still perhaps the question that keeps people away from God more than anything else. Why would a good God allow suffering to happen in our life? And why does death happen? We, we try our best to live as long as possible. We, especially in modern culture, our science has gotten a lot better, and we know a lot more about health, and we do everything we can to avoid suffering at all costs, to the point where we almost get convinced that we can avoid death itself. But then eventually, at some point, we have to come face to face with the reality that we simply cannot escape suffering that it simply seems to be a part of our everyday experience in one way or another, albeit physical, emotional, or spiritual, or all of the above. But what we see in today's gospel is that Jesus appears on the scene to prove that although suffering really is a real enemy, and although God did not create suffering and death, He does come to prove his authority and power over it. 
suffering and death we know now to be an effect of sin. The very first sin, original sin in the garden of Adam and Eve occurred and the effects of that sin was now that humanity in all of creation would be futile, would now be mortal. You see, what we sometimes breeze over whenever we think about the creation story, we forget that God intended for the, his creation to be immortal. He intended man and woman, Adam and Eve, to never experience death. But it was by their sin. It was by the enemy, Satan himself, who tempted them into sin that caused the effects of suffering and death to enter into the world. And now when we experience suffering, we have to admit, we have to be honest with ourselves that suffering is tragic. Suffering is a real pain. Suffering is not in itself a good thing. And death is sad. We try a lot in Western culture to almost explain it away as if death is, is no big deal, as if once someone dies, we just try to make ourselves feel better. But we, we need to give ourselves permission to be honest that death is tragic. It is a result of sin. Sometimes it's a, a direct result of our own sin. But other times, it's simply a result of the fact that we live in a fallen, sinful world. And although the particular suffering that we experience may not have a direct correlation to the particular sin that we've committed, it's still true that we've all sinned. And being all part of this creation together, we all experience its effects. But Jesus comes on the scene and heals us. We see... Um, in this beautiful story, what happens, it's an inclusio is the, the academic term, but it's like a sandwich, a literary sandwich. We have one story that begins and another story that inserts itself right in the middle of that first story that later comes and finishes. So we really have two stories, but, but although one is right in the middle, these stories are intimately connected to one another. We have two women. One is suffering a hemorrhage. The other is a young girl. We, they both are connected with this mysterious number 12. For some reason, the, the, um, the girl is 12 years old. The, the hemorrhaging woman is suffering for 12 years. Um, they both are experiencing suffering. One the great suffering of hemorrhaging for 12 years, but the other literally on her deathbed and experiencing death itself. And they both reach out to the Lord Jesus to save them. One, directly, herself, the hemorrhaging woman, reaches out just to touch Jesus' cloak. The other, although dying, her father reaches out on her behalf in great humility, but in great confidence, seeking out Jesus alone to save us from the power of suffering and death. And Jesus heals both of them. Only through a direct encounter with him. What we see is, although the hemorrhaging woman was healed physically at first, Jesus, it seems, as we read the gospel, 
wasn't facing her. It seems as though she approaches from behind and touches his clothing, and what it says is that divine power immediately leaves him and flows forth from him into the hemorrhaging woman to heal her. And what happens here, Jesus stops, and although he has been in the middle of a crowd and all kinds of people are touching him, you know how a crowd gets, you, you bump around and every, there, there's not a lot of personal space, and although many are touching Jesus, only one is healed. Only one experiences the divine power flow into them. Jesus stops and says, who touched me? I think it's not because he didn't know who it was, but rather because he wasn't finished with her yet. He didn't want her to be healed only physically. Jesus understood that physical healing is only the beginning of a real healing and freedom in Jesus Christ. And so he seeks her out. This woman who sought Jesus is now being sought by him. And Jesus turns and finds her and looks upon her and says, Daughter, your faith has saved you. This, this word, sozo in Greek, saved, salvation, is so much more than being saved from a physical illness. It's used by the gospel writers to imply this eternal salvation, the fullness of salvation. Jesus looks upon her and says, not only are you physically healed, you are eternally healed. You are spiritually set free. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. And this theme of conquering suffering. He shows us that as the Lord and the creator of the entire universe, that although suffering is an enemy, it is not as powerful as God himself. And that true healing only comes through a personal encounter with God alone. There's only one Savior who can bring about the sozo, the true salvation. And that's Jesus Christ. And that same Jesus approaches the deathbed of this 12-year-old girl after having been begged upon by Jairus, her father. And he looks upon her and says the same thing, my daughter, arise. And brings her back from the dead, declaring for the first time publicly that he is more powerful than the enemy of death. And he continues to declare this message in his ministry. We know that he raises Lazarus, his, his good friend from the dead later on. And ultimately, he himself enters into death on the cross and triumphs over it, declaring that enemy, that final enemy that you and I are simply powerless against, that you and I cannot do anything about. We simply will experience suffering and death. Jesus declares it's not the ultimate enemy. It's not the most powerful force in the world that Jesus, in the end, triumphs over death. He is more powerful. There is something beyond it. It is to be conquered but by him and by him alone. And he invites us not to run away from suffering, not to avoid it at all costs, not to be set free from death as if we can somehow enter into eternity without it. He saves us through it. He invites us into it so that we may be set free 
through it by him. It's so easy when we're suffering, though, to give the enemy too much credit. It's so easy when we're suffering to become narrow-sighted and to focus only on the enemy, only on the evil, only on the pain of the suffering itself. When a loved one passes away, we focus on the grief of the death and forget to focus on the new life that we profess and believe. St. Peter tells us in his second letter, beware, the enemy is prowling like a roaring lion, seeking something to devour, seeking to discourage us by the pain of suffering and death, to distract us from our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we become like that buffalo who doesn't see it coming. And the lion shows up and takes over our life. But we have the answer. We have someone who can bring us true sozo, true salvation from the prowling lion to enter into real life. And so my question for you today, when you suffer, whether it's a physical illness, maybe you're suffering from a sickness or a chronic pain, or maybe you're suffering from an emotional distress, maybe anxiety or depression or loneliness, a loss of self-control, or maybe you're suffering, all of us I know are suffering from the spiritual sickness of sin. Perhaps to different degrees, but we all know the power of sin in our lives and how it can destroy us like that lion. And that sin tears us apart and pulls us away from Jesus. Only Jesus can heal us for sure. Only Jesus can bring true sozo. Only Jesus can bring true life. If we humbly prostrate ourselves at his feet, like Jairus and the hemorrhaging woman, in bold confidence, in sacred reverence, in the humble boldness, knowing for sure that Jesus has conquered death and suffering and invites us into new life through it. When we suffer, do we focus on the enemy or do we focus on the Savior? Do you give the enemy too much credit? Or do you give the Savior the credit he deserves? You don't have to be like the buffalo. All of us can reach out like the hemorrhaging woman and be saved and healed every time we come to this altar. We don't just bump into Jesus like the crowd. We truly reach out so that we would be healed that we would be set free and experience real sozo, real eternal life through God and through God alone every single time that we approach this altar. Amen.